Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. Last year, average pay for principals in North Carolina ranked 50th nationally. The General Assembly responded with $35 million in new investments in pay this year, along with a brand new pay plan. It's that new plan that is generating concerns. Critics say many principals may actually see a pay cut, and they point to a new performance pay element that could be a disincentive to take jobs at chronically low-performing schools. We're going to explore those issues and concerns and discuss the new plan on today's show. Before we tackle our main topic, we open with our headlines, a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. Last week, the North Carolina Innovative School District, formerly known as the Achievement School District, narrowed its initial list of 48 low-performing schools eligible to be taken over to six. The list of schools on the list are on the screen. Schools chosen will be turned over to charter school operators, meaning local school boards will no longer have a say in the staffing, instruction, or other matters at those schools. Now, two of the schools on the list are in Durham, where the school board and superintendent had asked to be removed from consideration. Two schools will be chosen this year and three next year. Once a school is selected, the district must allow the school to be taken over or the school must be closed. Some Wake County parents are up in arms over the news that their children may be reassigned as part of the district's effort to meet the class size mandate from the General Assembly. Wake announced last week that they plan to close 25 elementary schools to new transfer students. Some schools will need other strategies, including reassigning current students and barring newly arriving families from enrolling even if they live right next to the school. The lower state mandated class sizes would require Wake County, for example, to create space for the equivalent of 9,500 seats or about 14 new elementary schools. Superintendent Jim Merrill sent a letter last week to Wake County members of the state legislature asking for help. Decisions in two education-related court cases were handed down last week by the North Carolina Court of Appeals. In one case, the judges ruled against the state board in a three-year-old lawsuit over whether the State Rules Review Commission has authority over state board policies. The Court of Appeals reversed a lower court ruling that the state board was exempt. The other case involved school funding in Halifax County. Now, in that case, the judges ruled against a parents group that had sued the county over inadequate support for the local school systems. The court found the responsibility to provide a sound basic education to North Carolina students rests with the state, not individual counties. Finally, this week marks the 60th anniversary of the integration of Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas. Nine African-American students were under National Guard protection integrated that school on September 25, 1957. Even though the Supreme Court had found segregated schools unconstitutional three years earlier, across much of the South, strict Jim Crow laws had kept the schools separate. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click Education Matters, and read more about each of the headlines as well as the other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top of the show, we're going to talk about new, the new principal pay plan enacted by the General Assembly earlier this year. And joining us to talk about it in our first segment are Matt White. Matt is the principal of Apex Friendship High School in Wake County. 
and Dr. Ray Spain. Dr. Spain is the superintendent of Warren County Schools. Thank you both for being here. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. All right, Matt, I'm going to start with you. You just you just celebrated a birthday, I understand. You're 59, so I think it's since you told me, I'm going to say it on the air. Uh, you're a veteran educator and a, and a principal. You've been you've been in education for 30 plus years now. So how will this plan personally affect you as as it's currently set up? As of right now, there's a hold harmless provision, so it does not affect me other than my salary is basically frozen. But at the end of the hold harmless, I stand to have a significant pay cut based on the fact that the new principal pay plan, plan does not include experience. So all of the experienced principals in, in my sort of situation, 30 more years, um, stand to suffer a significant pay cut. And the, and the experience, experience level was one of the, one of the things that was, was taken away in this new plan. Now you're here in Wake, obviously you've talked to other principals. Are, um, are a lot of principals uh, feeling, sort of looking at it warily as well and sort of doing these calculations? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The, um, uh, the experienced principals who put in 30 years and more um, have to look ahead. As, as I mentioned to you earlier, I've got two daughters in college, and so I've got um, some long-term plans that I need to be looking at. And the fact that the hold harmless is only one year is a little unsettling. Right. Dr. Spain, as a school superintendent, um, you've got to hire um, uh, folks like, um, like Matt White. What do you, if you, you know, this is a, look, Warren County, if folks don't know, is, is a small system, serves a pretty high poverty community a kind of system that traditionally has a harder time sort of re recruiting and retaining teachers and principals, right? So, so do you think this new plan is going to help or hurt uh, Warren County? I think it's going to hurt Warren County. Uh, we currently um, have eight schools. Uh, we, of eight principals, none are having more than five-year tenure. Uh, so we've got a young staff and we have turnover. And this is really going to be a disincentive for those uh, trying to recruit principals as well as retain principals. Uh, the, the fact that uh, the pay can change for principals, we have some low performance schools, even though we're making progress, uh, it's somewhat of a, a challenge for someone coming into the profession uh, to be under um, so much stress trying to bring those schools up when there's uh, the incentives are actually disincentives where they can see a reduction in pay. Yeah, and that's, and, you know, that's something I've heard from principals that I've spoken with. It's, um, you know, the, some of them are, the, the pay increases are good now, but they also worry about it. It, it almost becomes like you're, you're working on commission, and you could see some pretty wide fluctuations in your salary from year to year. Is that, yeah. that something that you've, you've heard as well? I've heard it over and over again. Right. And in fact, we had one principal that left one of our schools this year to move to another county, uh, went on a teacher pay salary, and it was actually an increase. Well, Matt, do, what, the veteran principals like yourself, I mean, do you think this is sending a, uh, the wrong message, or we think it's, is it sending a message that, um, that the state doesn't want veteran principals? I, I'm not sure if that's the message or not, but it does remind me of a couple years ago when the teacher pay scale was adjusted, and the majority of the money went to the newer teachers, and, and I understand that, that you want to keep people in the, in the business, but it does send the message that um, perhaps um, experience is discounted a little bit. Um, certainly, the, I'm a principal at a high school, a, a 4A high school, and um, we have over 2,000 students, so 
my sense is that, that I didn't get this job just because I've been around for a long time. I think that over the years, principals gain experience, they learn lessons, and they learn how to handle complex organizations um, that I don't think that newer principals can handle. So I can certainly say that in Wake, the, the experienced principals are feeling that this new play plan, play plan does not recognize their experience and their expertise. Right, Dr. Spain, what would you do? I mean, as far as when you think about what you need, um, so what are the things that would make it, um, you think, um, easier for school systems to recruit the best principals? I think some predictability in, in salaries, that principals need to know what their career path is, need to uh, know that if they are working and making improvements that they're going to be rewarded, uh, that there's not a chance that they may go up one year and down the next year and see a significant pay, uh, pay cut. So predictability, I think, is one of the main um, um, would be one of the things that would certainly help this situation. Yeah. What do you think about the performance element? It's, it's now becoming a, a pretty, you know, a fairly large component of your compensation going forward. I mean, the, I mean, the, the stated reason is, is that, that, you know, principals will be more focused on student success um, if they're tied to student growth of their academics. Is that, I guess, one, do you think, do you think that's true? I don't think that any principal is, is afraid of being judgeful in their performance. Our job and what we're devoted to is improving student performance every single day. But I could see that if you, if you do have low performing schools, it might be difficult to hire people there who knew that there would be a big fluctuation and that um, you, you, you know, it's very, very difficult to get high growth every single year. Right. So I don't think that we're, we're afraid of of performance again in my in my situation it's about discounting experience completely it seems like if you had a way of um, blending the experience and the performance I don't I don't think anybody's afraid of being judged on their performance well that's a that's a great point to end on I appreciate uh, both of you coming thank you for what you do every day and thanks for coming on the show thank you. when we come back we're going to continue this discussion on principal pay but first see if you can answer this question true or false Average base pay for North Carolina principals declined by more than 20% over the last 10 years. Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer true? According to salary data from DPI, average principal pay has declined more than 20% since 2007. Joining us now for to continue our discussion on principal pay, we have Jason Griffin. Jason is the principal in per Perquimans County. Did I pronounce that right? Yes. Perquimans County. And he's also the 2017 North Carolina Principal of the Year. So thank you for being here and congratulations on that. And Catherine Joyce, friend of the show, <laughs> a, a, a regular feature um, uh, uh, speaking on behalf of uh, school administrators and leaders across the state. She is the Executive Director of the North Carolina Association of School Administrators. So welcome back, Catherine. Thank you. All right. Let's start with you, Catherine. Now, you've heard, you've heard some criticisms of the new plan, including some that we just talked about in the first segment. Um, your group represents superintendents and sort of umbrella principals and sort of all school leaders. And I know you've said this is a good start overall, but when you hear things like 30% of principals in Wake or 25% statewide may actually lose 
pay in a, in a um, pay raise plan. Um, I mean, is that a good start or, or sort of where do you, where are you right now? Well, first of all, no one is losing pay. So there is the hold harmless in place. And I think we've got to give the General Assembly time to come in next year and extend that, which I fully believe they will do. I don't think that our General Assembly wants to uh, disenfranchise principals in the state. They want to work to improve it. That, that's the plan. That was their focus this year. So the plan is not finished. Let's let them keep working to get it right. So that's what you think at, the, at this point. Yeah, and, and I think we, you know, just to, and just to be clear, when we talk about losing pay, what I mean is there is a, like I said, a hold harmless. So if you are going down under the new plan, you won't this year. But this is a performance-based plan that, I mean, at, if the hold harmless is extended another year, I mean, you are, it's, it's not a really a performance plan if there isn't a chance for, let's just call it winners and losers. I mean, there will be people that will go up or down each year, right? There can be fluctuation in pay based on performance. If a school's um, student growth is not improving, things, growth targets are not met, the principal pay can dip. That's true. Right. All right, Jason. Um, you're a principal yourself, so you're affected by this. Um, I'm interested in your take, both speaking for yourself, um, but as well as for your profession. I mean, I think that's um, as the principal of the year, you're kind of, you have an opportunity, I know, to talk to your colleagues on a statewide basis. What are they telling you? What are you hearing? So there's mixed reviews across the state in terms of the principal pay, you know, for, you know, the younger principals such as myself, you know, we do see a benefit from the principal pay plan. However, veteran principals, you know, are, are affected by longevity, years of experience, the number of classroom teachers, um, based off the previous plan. So, you know, I do feel that this plan is steps in the right direction. Right. I mean, thirty-five. I mean, thirty-five million dollars this year. Another five next year. So it'll be forty, and that's recurring dollars. So right. So so that's not a small investment. I mean, so I think again, like as Catherine said, in fairness, that's that's that is a. Um, a good investment in principles, but I guess what do you think besides extending hold harmless? Um, what are legislators telling you that they may be looking at changing either this coming, well, actually, literally next week when they come back, um, but also perhaps next year in the short session? So there was a lot of discussion among legislators this year that they couldn't fix the entire problems um, surrounding principal pay in one year. It's got to be a phase in. So I think next year you're going to see another investment in base pay for principals. I think that will address a lot of the hold harmless issues that have cropped up with veteran principals. And certainly adding an experience factor. That is something we are advocating for. You heard that in your previous segment. Right. Experience would be a great addition to this plan. Right. Now, uh, Jason, what do you think about the, um, um, the performance part of it? That's new. Um, it's something that it's a priority for the General Assembly to have um, performance metrics. Do you, I guess one, I guess overall as a philosophy, you know, sort of what are your thoughts? And then just the, the way it's being, the way it was crafted tied to um, which we don't have, this will be a whole other show to explain what the uh, EVOS system is and how, and how you calculate growth. But what do you think about it overall? Well, I think EVOS is a great measure in terms of looking at student growth um, from one year to the next. You know, having EVOS as a part of the principal play, pay plan, that's obviously a policy decision. I do believe that, you know, the school performance grades are important. But what I would like to see is, you know, more of a correlation between school performance grades and principal play, pay. So let me explain. So school performance grades are 80% achievement, 20% based off of growth. Right. Well, the principal pay plan is based off of your ADM and growth. 
there's, you know, I'd like to see the growth side of our school performance grade, you know, weighed more, maybe 60, 40, or even 70, 30. Right. And, and, for, and for viewers who don't, who don't, I mean, so what you're talking about, when we say growth, we're talking about sort of the improvement from, you know, year over year. And so you're saying and that uh, just like on the school performance grades, some of the same criticism is a level that it's too, it's too tied to standardized sort of in the grade test. And so you would agree with that? Yes. Okay. So what, um, now, what about the idea of um, sort of how you're evaluated? Um, right, the way under the new plan, it's, it's going to be based on two things, um, the size of the school and those scores. Um, do you think there should be other factors um, as part of how you want to be evaluated as a professional, as a principal? Well, I do think years of experience are important. Um, veteran principals have paved the way for me to, you know, be here, be a principal, you know, continue on as principal of the year. So I look to veteran principals, you know, for knowledge and ideas. So I think that should be considered. You know, longevity for all principals is different. You know, for me as a younger principal, you know, longevity may not hurt me as much, but our veteran principals and even some principals that don't have the local incentives, you know, longevity may be all that they have. So I do right. think that we need to you know, go back and, and look at longevity as well. Catherine, what about the, um, you know, with the, any kind of big legislative change like this, you said give them time. I mean, the process, getting the process right is important. Do you think it could, that there um, maybe could have been more inputs in the sort of, it seems like some of these things um, ought to have been able to be figured out with the plan before it was passed. I mean, what are you thinking, what are your thoughts on how it was put together? Well, certainly there were discussions with lots of advocates about what this plan would do and, and what it should entail. Um, the General Assembly has ideas they want to pursue. I think our job, my organization's job, is to make sure we're advocating for the best interest of principals and making sure that students are well served. So we've got to work with the General Assembly to get this plan where it needs to go, that next step, phase two, and we're looking forward to that in the short session. Uh, give you the last word, Jason. What do you think, um, what would you fix? I mean, do you think um, sort of if you, if you could just wave a magic wand, what would you do? Um, well, I think, you know, the, based on the stats right now, you know, we have somewhere between 70 and 80 percent of principals who are benefiting from the new principal pay plan. And I'm confident that the General Assembly is going to go back and address the technicalities that, you know, are going to help us to, you know, have a principal pay plan that's going to be more midway of the pack when compared to principals across the nation. Excellent. Well, thank you both for being here. Big topic. We'll be watching to see what happens with the legislature. Thank you so much. Thank you. After the break, this week's Leadership Spotlight. Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education yeah, in North but, Carolina um, based on nominations from you. This week, we spotlight Kirby Jones. Children, especially those 
that are in fact economically disadvantaged and may have uh, some deficits academically benefit greatly from high quality out of school programming. And that's one of the things that we provide for them. The Daniel Center for Math and Science has two primary objectives. First, it is to narrow the education gap and to ensure that each one of our children is able to successfully not only graduate from high school, but to ensure that they're able to pursue a post high school education. They will do things like Lego robotics once a week. They will uh, do things like computer coding once a week. We have life skills uh, that we provide for the children. Job shadowing is one of the um, things that we're most excited about where our teens have the opportunity to go and work with engineers and scientists uh, in their environment and see uh, these professionals um, in the real world environment. We fill a gap. We fill a need. We provide high quality education enhancement for students who sometimes uh, greatly need that education uh, enhancement and an extra push, but uh, perhaps their families are not, not able to um, provide it economically. Our effort is to change the default setting for children, children who sometimes may not see themselves as being successful. Uh, our job is to let them know that they are smart, to let them know that they can succeed, to provide them those tools to help them to succeed. The children that we serve are full of potential, full of hope, and full of opportunity. Our job is to make sure that whatever life goals that they have, that we help them get there. If you know someone or a program that deserves to be recognized, visit our website, ncforum.org, click on Education Matters, and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community. After the break, this week's final word. Improving principal pay was a top education priority for the General Assembly this year. The fact that North Carolina's average pay for principals had dropped to 50th nationally had galvanized support to do something. So they did, and allocated $35.4 million this year to boost principal pay, a much welcomed and appreciated investment. The pay raises were combined with a new pay plan that includes a performance-based component tied to student growth. At the same time, as you heard earlier, they eliminated longevity pay that rewarded principals based on experience, and they also dropped added pay for achieving advanced degrees like PhDs. Now, both of these changes hit veteran principals hard. The state will now pay, pay principals based on two factors only, the number of students in the school and the growth in student achievement based on a fairly complex value-added measurement system known as EVOS that uses actual test scores combined with predictive models of what the test score should have been. The plan itself, not raises, is what has generated so much angst. Principals like Matt White, we heard from earlier today, are facing possible big cuts after a one-year hold harmless provision expires. Now, based on conversations I've had, it seems likely the hold harmless provision will be extended while corrections are made to address some of the issues. For educators who have contacted state leaders with your concerns, your input has mattered and frankly is appreciated by lawmakers who say they want to get it right, that any issues are unintended consequences. Now, on this point about unintended consequences, I hope legislators are now conferring with school leaders and and school finance experts at DPI that actually administer pay. 
It appears that pay experts were not asked to thoroughly examine this major overhaul of principal pay before it was passed. If it had been done, the unintended consequences could have been discovered and fixed. So you actually might call these avoidable consequences, whether they were intended or not. Now, while the corrections are being made, I'd also suggest legislators spend some time with the performance measure part of the plan and make sure they are not setting up a plan that makes it harder for low-performing schools to recruit top-flight principals. Perhaps consider salary multipliers based on school poverty rates, for example. High-poverty schools and students are more than capable of exceeding growth targets. They can and do. But we also know that high-poverty schools need major investments in high-quality teachers and other changes that take time and new resources, something they are not getting. We can't afford for this new plan to scare off our best principals. That's it for this week's show. Make sure you tune in next week where we're going to talk more about our teacher pipeline and what we're doing to improve that in North Carolina. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.